Hey guys, welcome back to Vertical Momentum. I am your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, this is going to be a fun episode. As you know, um, when I grew up, I grew up in an abused household, and the only thing that kept me sane were books. And uh, I only have a ninth grade education, but I've read over 6,000 books. So if you love books, if you love reading, if you love veterans, or if you have any children, you're definitely going to want to listen to this episode. But first, I want to thank our sponsors. We have a brand new sponsor. They just signed up today. They're called Operation Veteran Freedom. As you can see, what they do is they help veterans that are that want to get out of the military and start careers and, and start becoming their own bosses, whether that's digital, whether whatever kind of business you want to get into, they will help you get into business. So it's called Operation Veteran Freedom. You can find them on Facebook. They're everywhere. So I just want to thank them for the sponsor. Chris, Liam, I love you guys. Guys, this is going to be a great episode. Like I said, uh, I'm very interested. I want to thank our, our special, special guest. He is a retired Air Force veteran. I want to thank him for his service, and I want to thank him for take, keeping us safe in this country. We got a lot in common. You know, I'm from Jersey. He lived in Jersey. I retired out of South Carolina. He retired out of South Carolina. So we got a lot in common. Guys, welcome my friend, Doug. Doug, my brother, what's going on? Oh, not much. Just kind of hanging out today, taking it easy. How's, how's the weather out there? It's nice out here. Yeah, weather's good. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, where did you grow up? Uh, I know you said you're from Jersey. So uh, where did you grow up in Jersey and what kind of kid were you? Uh, I grew up in Phillipsburg, New Jersey. Uh, we we left there in 1979. Uh, you know, wasn't a whole lot going on there. Uh, Dad needed a change in jobs and we moved to Maryland after that. So what was it like, you know, because I know Maryland's a little bit laid back, depends on where you go. So what was it like from moving Jer from Jersey to Maryland? That was quite an eye opener. We went from, uh, I don't want to say it was a big city, but it was it was getting there. And uh, we moved to uh, the farming community of uh, Marion Station, Maryland, and decided we were going to be chicken farmers. So we went from almost paved roads to dirt roads and chicken farms and cornfields and it was quite an interesting experience for sure. Now, as a child, like for me, like I said earlier, um, I became a, a voracious reader. You know, back then, if you wanted to find something out, we couldn't Google it. I had to go to the Encyclopedia Britannica and actually look it up. Yeah. Uh, so did you, were you a big reader? Did you find love of reading? I, I did, I think, probably a little bit. I, I don't read much anymore, um, but like in my uh, – my high school years, I loved science fiction. I was a big science fiction nut. Uh, still kind of am, but I just don't read as much as I used to. And I used to like uh, Robert Heinlein. I think his name is how you pronounce his last name. Okay. And, uh, I think another one was Arthur C. Clarke, I think was another one I read a lot of. But uh, that was good stuff. You know, when you're just sitting around on the farm with nothing to do, that kind of takes you to a different place. Now, when you were in high school, uh, did you play sports? Were you an athlete? Were you good at? Were you good at school? Uh, I was relatively good at school. Um, I was not all that good at athletics. That came a little bit later, but uh, I was more into uh, auto mechanics. I was uh, went to Votech for auto mechanics and got you know straight A's and stuff in that, and that led me to thinking I 
I like speed. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I'll join the Air Force and work on planes. And uh, then while I was in there, it's like it would be kind of cool to get a job working on a race team. I eventually got to be a volunteer on a race team. That was kind of neat, fun while it lasted kind of thing. So talk to us about, because I love to hear everybody's recruiting story. What was your recruiting story like? My recruiting story, I, just kind of growing up, it was, it was the uh, it was the mid-'80s, and I could see factories weren't really giving folks uh, pensions like they used to. That stuff was going away. And uh, I'm like, well, what can I do with my life? You know, I want to get a pension at some point in time. I don't want to just have to work until I die. That didn't really sound like something I wanted to do. And uh, so I'm like, well, let me join the Air Force. That sounds pretty cool, you know. I get to see parts of the world I've never seen before, work on jets, do some cool stuff. I ended up being a uh, weapon system specialist on the A-10 and F-16, which was kind of cool. Got to play with bombs and rockets and missiles all day and, and work on the jets. Uh, we kept them, we not only loaded them with ammo and all that sort of thing, but we also did a functional and operational checks on the jets. So I got to climb in the cockpit and play with all the buttons. So how did they go into working on a race team? How did that work out? I'm sorry, I didn't quite get that. How did that, how did that pan into working on a race team? Oh, working on a race team? Uh, it was kind of, I kind of had a little bit of time off and uh, I worked uh, as a dorm manager for a year and my partner was studying to get his license because that's what he always wanted to do. And uh, so I'm watching him Google all this stuff and get that all set up. And I'm like, well, I always wanted to work on a race car. And here you are, you know, making your dream happen. I'm just sitting here doing nothing. So I started shooting out a bunch of emails and, and actual letters back in that, you know, that time frame. And uh, eventually landed with uh, Rich Woodland Racing out of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, the first race I ever did with him was a ARCA race right after the, the All-Star race in Charlotte. So I'm sitting there on a, a pit road wall looking at this absolutely tons of people in the stands. And I'm, you know, you ever have a like, hey, I made it kind of feeling? That's kind of what I was feeling when I was sitting there on the wall. So that was really cool. And we never really raced a full schedule because the sponsorship money wasn't just there. But we did spot races here and there, Michigan, Daytona, Talladega, all kinds of fun places. And it was really a, an interesting, cool experience. Now, I'm a big NASCAR guy. Um, I'm, I've always been a junior and a Dale Senior fan. Those are my guys. Um, and one of our sponsors is actually uh, Racing for Heroes. So we we're, this show is actually sponsored by a NASCAR team for Racing for awesome. Heroes. So, yep. So now, uh, because you had so many years in the Air Force, did you travel a lot? Did you get deployed anywhere? I uh, didn't travel too much. I got deployed uh, the four I mean, you've got your TDYs all over the place, Arkansas, all the kind of, you know, George Air Force Base. The four deployments I went on were two to Kuwait and uh, two to Saudi Arabia. They were the two eye-opening experiences I had. That was uh, that was pretty wild. Now, is that when everything started kicking off? The first trip, yeah, the first trip to Kuwait, we were the third rotation in after we kicked Saddam out the first time. And uh, like I said, it was an eye-opener. You get there and you're like, don't step on dirt. Just stay on the hardened surfaces. Uh, you know, we were flying our A-10s out of there. And uh, you load, that was the first time in my career where I would load stuff up. And uh, it wouldn't come back. There was no need to download it. 
because we were doing that uh, Southern Watch. Uh, there was a no-fly zone, so we were going out busting up SAM sites and that sort of thing. So now, how many years total did you do? 20. did my full 20 years. And uh, I always tease people. It's like I loaded weapons for that long. And I retired with all my fingers and toes and limbs, so I consider myself lucky. So you did something right. Yeah. So, yeah, if there's anything ever went wrong, they always said try to keep up to a weapons troop if something goes wrong. So. Yeah. Now, you know, I've I've interviewed hundreds of people on here. And for me, I did 23. I, I, I would have done 30 if I didn't get hurt on duty. But um, a lot of us, when we get out, it's unplanned. Or even if it is planned, um, we, kind of, we, we lose our mission. Um, we lose our camaraderie. And, and sometimes we f- kind of feel lost, you know, even though we get used to getting paid on the first and the 15th, you know, we think we're all hua hua, but we do kind of get coddled. Um, so what was, what was it like transitioning out of the military? It was rough. Uh, and I think a lot of us go through that. Uh, they, they pump you all up at the, uh, I think they used to call it TAPS, uh, your transition yeah. assistance program. Telling everybody, it's like, oh, companies are just waiting for you guys to get out into the workforce. They, they can't wait to hire you. And then you, they fill you with that. And then you get to go out. And you're like, yeah, that's that's not how it works at all. And uh, I started looking for a job about six months prior to getting out. And everybody said, you're crazy. What do you, you know, you can't go to work now. Why are you trying to find a job so soon? And I said, because I, I don't anticipate it to be easy. Uh, and I'm glad I did because it took me about that long to find a spot. I landed at Ram Automotive, Ram Clutches in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, they make performance racing clutches. It's a good company to work for. Uh, I was there for about 13 years. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, – I hate to say you lose all your friends, but you lose all your friends. and You lose all the camaraderie, all the teamwork. And uh, it's hard to come by in the civilian world, not to not – to, you know, slam civilians or anything. I don't mean that, but I mean, it's just hard to come by. It's just, it's, it's different, I guess. Well, well, like my friend, Nick Valentine said, you know, Sergeant Nick always talks about, you know, once you step off base, the military doesn't give a shit about you. Your phone stops ringing, um, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And then you, then you some people like me were left to their own devices and that wasn't a very good place to be. So at least you found a job and something that you actually enjoyed doing. So um, how did you become, because we're talking about your books, as we talked about earlier, I'm really interested, you know, the one about the rabbit, because I'm thinking because, you know, you grew up, especially grew up on a farm. So you had a little bit of back, back knowledge about animals and stuff like that. Tell us about, how and why you wrote your first book? Uh, it was it was kind of on a whim. Uh, it's more of a little story just for the family. And uh, my son caught a baby rabbit in the backyard. Uh, he brought it in the house, and he actually named it Jasper, which is the name of the rabbit in the book. And we let it go the next day. I called my dad because after raising chickens and after I'd moved away, he got actually got into raising rabbits in the chicken houses. And uh, he said, you'll never be able to domesticate a wild rabbit. Best thing to do is just let it go. So we let it go the next day. And uh, after we let it go, I'm like, man, what was the perspective of the rabbit to be snatched out of the backyard and brought in this this house? And, you know, something like he's never seen before. How would what was his thought process through the whole thing? So I knew I couldn't write a children's book about a little kid going out and snatching out a rabbit out of the backyard. So I had to come up with another way for the rabbit to get in the house. But he snuck in through a pet door, and the rest is history. I guess, as you say, he 
played with the kids inside the house and then goes outside and none of his little woodland friends believe him. They're like, oh, you did not spend the night in the people house. And like, yeah, I did. So that's now, pretty much how that came about. <clears throat> you know, did you realize that you had a talent for writing? Um, I, I thought I might. Uh, I, I felt like I, I read enough children's books with my two kids growing up and I knew what they liked. And uh, like I said, this kind of started out as a story for the family. Uh, I actually pitched it to about three publishers through a course of about 10 years. It stretched out for quite a long period of time. And uh, then COVID hit. And uh, I was just sitting at the house one week because uh, everything had pretty much shut down. And I'm like, well, let me give this thing another stab. Let me look for another publisher. And I hit with Fulton Publishing and they picked it up, said, hey, that's a cute little story. So I went ahead and published it. And, uh, we got it out on the market. They, they do a good job. They set me up with the illustrators and all that and uh, got me all set up online. Uh, Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, all those places you can get my books online. And uh, it went over bigger than I thought it would the first one did. So I, everybody's like, were you going to write a second one? And I'm like, well, I didn't really think I would. I thought it was going to be one and done. But uh, I cranked out a second one and that just came out this September. So we'll see how it goes. But it, Initial reaction is it's it's uh it's doing well. Now, what's the new book about? Um, I wasn't sure what to write about. The first one was kind of easy because I had like a little you know little story already set up for me. Uh, so the second one is uh, the family likes to go to the beach. We love to go to Myrtle Beach and, and vacation out there. So I'm like, well, why doesn't Jasper go to the beach with his buddies? So they welcome a another friend to their little pond that they live at. And the friend says, Hey, you know, I've met this, I found this weird place on my way here. I think they call it a beach. You guys should go there sometime. So then they go on a little adventure out to the beach, run into some ponies on the beach and they build sandcastle and all kinds of stuff. I don't want to give away too much, I get it, <laughs> but they go out to the beach and have a good time. My mom lives in, in Myrtle's Inlet. So we go to Myrtle beach all the time. Um, that's right. That's right. I love Myrtle Beach. So now, you know, I wrote my book and it's been out on Amazon. It's hit number number one twice. Um, but, you know, I have a new one that's going to be coming out. And sometimes I feel like, you know, because now people want me to write another book where the other one was just I wanted to do it. So, you know, for me, I, I feel a little bit of pressure of putting a book out now because you other people ask you about writing another book. Did you feel any pressure to write another book? Uh, the second one, not so much. But now the third one, yeah. <laughs> it's like, we've well, got two. Are you going to stop? Or are we going to have a third uh, adventure of Jasper and Friends? And kind of like with the first one, it's like, well, I didn't anticipate it. But since everybody's asking me, I, I did start writing the third one. Uh, it's about a third of the way done. I got the middle part of it done. I got to write the beginning and the ending. But uh, it's kind of set in there. Uh, working a little bit more on promotion and marketing of the first two, uh, trying to get some kind of a, a buyer stream, I guess, if you will, a conduit to get these things out. Because I, I really want to get them in front of people as opposed to just always having to go online to buy them. I want to get them out in stores. And that's my my next big push. I don't know exactly how to do that because I don't really know what I'm doing. That sounds terrible, I know. But, you know, you wing it sometimes. So that's where we're at. So what is your, you know, because like I was on a show last night, um, where we had four different authors and we were talking about, our, you know, our way of writing for me, it's, I'm a low tech redneck and I tell everybody that. 
So when I wrote my first book, I actually wrote it all out on yellow pad paper. <laughs> so, so do I. And, and then I put it into the computer. So what is your writing process? And, you know, do you just decide, okay, I'm going to write a certain amount of words each day? Or do you just say, if I get if something comes to me today, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah, that, and that's it. Um, and I do it the same way you do. I write, I get a little, my, mine's white paper at least. It's not yellow paper, but I got a little tablet in there. I just jot down what I'm trying to, you know, trying to write on write some stuff down. Lots of times I cross a lot of stuff out and take another swing at it. But then once I get it done, I'll put it in a, a word program so I can shoot it off to people and see what they think. Because I like to shoot it off to friends and family first before I send it anywhere else. It's like, let me know if this sounds good. You know, you always like to get a little bit of feedback. Uh, so, now, when, you, when, when the book first started, the first book started going good. Were you approached by an editor or did you approach an editor? And well, well, no, I had the, the, like the publisher. I had the publisher all set up and then they, they read over and they said they liked it. So they then did all the editing, all the illustration for me. So I didn't really have to go to a, another editor. So you really didn't have to push hard. Cause I, I, I hear a, there's a lot of, cause I, I guess everybody's writing a book now, just like everybody has a podcast right now. But um, a few of them get published. A lot of them are self-published. So did you have to decide whether you were going to go through the publishing route or the self-publishing route? Well, I didn't really know what I was doing. So uh, I just looked online for publishers. And uh, I don't remember the names of the first three, but Fulton Publishing came up and I researched them a little bit. And it seemed like they were on the up and up. You get to keep all the rights to your book, even though they supply you with the illustrations and everything. So I'm like, wow, that's awesome. And I can leave them anytime I want to if I think they're not giving me a fair shake. And uh, it's in the contract that they have to give me everything, all the images, everything for the book. So it seems so what, to be working out. What is it like? Because I haven't, like I said, my, mine's only on Amazon for right now. The new books will be out soon, guys. By the way, it'll be dropping probably the first half of the year. It's called Too Dumb to Quit. Uh, a story about resilience. Um, so what was it like going into a bookstore and seeing your book in a bookstore? Yeah, that just uh, probably the, it just happened recently because um, I was trying to get, you know, like I said, I was trying to, I'm trying to get it in the bookstores now. Uh, and I found out that Books a Million has a local author section. Uh, and if you go and speak to just the manager, uh, he, he'll get it in the store for you. So, uh, yeah, it was really cool. I went to the local Books A Million when I found, or I'm sorry, Barnes & Noble, not Books A Million, Barnes & Noble. So I went to my local Barnes & Noble and saw it on the shelf with all the other kids' picture books. And I'm like, that's pretty awesome. So I got pictures and stuff of it there. And I never knew that. I think that's probably the greatest author drop of a of, of nugget that I've ever heard, that you can actually go into a Barnes & Noble's and say you're – a local author, and they will put your book there. They, they, they yeah, the uh, they did for me anyway, and they have for others that I heard of because I didn't come up, I didn't come up with that idea on my own. I heard it somewhere, and I gave it a try, and it's like, I'll be darned, it worked. So now I am trying to abuse that privilege a little bit and going up to like Barnes and Nobles. I want to get the Barnes and Nobles like up in uh, Maryland, where I'm from, in New Jersey, where I'm from, and say, hey, I used to live here. You know, I'm kind of a local author. Can you get me in? But I haven't gotten to that point yet. But. We're going to try to abuse that as much as we can. 
So then, you know, now that we know that there's an audience out there for you, what steps are you going about to get your book in front of more audiences uh, besides being on a small little podcast like my, like our, our show? I do. Uh, I'm getting interest with the schools. I've got uh, my first book and I'm assuming my second book has been put in different uh, public and school libraries. So that's really cool. Um, and aside from just, I mean, I'm still kind of new at this. I do like little Twitter blurps with my, my book and stuff. It's got me leaning against an A10 and stuff. A picture of that with my information on it. I just shoot it out on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, now I'm starting to do podcasts. Uh, still trying to figure out what other avenues there are that I can that I can take. Uh, I've been kind of shot. I've been contacting local news uh, organizations here in Camden. Uh, I'm getting summarily ignored by them, but you know. All in time. It works out. What I'm going to do is when we log off, um, there's a group that I'm a part of on Facebook. It's called the Author's Porch. And I am as well. Yeah. And um, we just did the Author's Porch last night. And uh, I don't have, I do have it here. Um, I was in this month's issue of the Author's Porch magazine. So maybe I'll talk to CJ. Maybe we can get you in this magazine. Well, I, I haven't added that magazine, actually. Okay, cool. So then you know all about it. And um, so I think that's yeah. a great way to go. And CJ's actually, she's going to be co-authoring my book. You, you broke up a little bit or, or my speaker did. I'm not sure which, but yeah, yeah. I, I've been in contact with CJ and I got her a copy of my book sent down to her. So uh, we'll see what that brings. Yep. She's actually going to be co-authoring my book. So I think that's going to be uh, cool. So um, if there's somebody out there right now that because, you know, everybody, I think everybody has a book in them, um, whether it's for me, it was, you know, trying to help other veterans that are struggling with PTSD or, you know, drug issues, uh, relationship issues um, for you, you know, for some other it might be a children's book. So if there's somebody out there sitting on the fence. Should I do it? Should I not do it? What advice can you offer them to push them over that edge? You broke up a little bit, but I think I got the gist of what you were saying. Uh, if somebody's thinking about publishing a book, what would I? What advice would I give them? Yeah, I, I'd a- say go for it, man. I, I do that with kids all the time. There's no practice life, as I like to say. This is the one you got. So uh, if there's something that you think you want to do, it's like just go for it. I mean, I used to let growing up. I used to let people tell me, "No, you can't do that." And I used to let that affect my life. And then as I got older and joined the military and stuff, they told me the same. You're gonna fail, so don't let it don't let it bother you. I mean, you just you got to do what you want to do, and if you if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, press on. Just keep on going. All right. But uh, yeah, don't don't ever if, if people are letting the fear of failure stop them from doing something, they just have to work around that and get over it because you just got to go after it, man. You can't. I, I've done some crazy things in my life that I knew I didn't have a snowball's chance to, that it was gonna turn in anything. I, I tried out for the Cincinnati Reds just so I could say I did it. I knew I sucked at baseball, but I went through a tryout anyway. I love you just got to do stuff. All right. So last two questions. Uh, how do we find you? How do we find your books? And what are the names of your books that we can get? Sure. Yeah, I'm everywhere online. Uh, like I said, I think earlier, uh, Amazon, Barnes Noble, Books and Million, just about any online bookstore you're going to find my books on. Uh, 
I did a little research, and there's not too many that they're not on. Uh, the titles, uh, the first one is A Night I Spent in the People House. Uh, the second one is A Day at the Beach with Jasper and Friends. Um, hopefully, there'll be more available. I've got some things in the work uh, with uh, getting them in some stores. We'll see how that goes. I don't want to give out anything. I did. I did just fail on one of those attempts. So, I mean, you know, failure is, it just comes with it. You just can't let it bother you. You just got to keep pressing on. All right. So last last question I have. Um, I, I love this question because I ask a thousand people, I get a thousand different answers. You, you know, you know a lot about New Jersey and how amazing our governor is. Um, we're about to go back on lockdown again. So there's a lot of parents that are out of jobs. You know, they're not working or they're driving DoorDash, Uber, you know, it's trying to put food on their kids' mouths, in their kids' mouths. So if, if I ask the average American to do something in seven days, they're never going to get to it. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours that's listening to our show right now, they're more than likely to do it. So if there's a veteran out there either uh, going to retire or they know they're going to ETS in the next four to six months, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start to set themselves up for success? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, probably like I did. I mean, I, I knew when I was getting ready to leave that it was going to be a, it was going to be a struggle. I mean, you just have to realize it's going to be a struggle finding work. I mean, unless you've got your degree, I didn't have a degree. Uh, so you just gotta, you just gotta get accurate. I mean, you just like day in, day out. That's, I had a job at Jiffy Lube for the first three months I was there, and I had to work 12-hour days, six days a week. And when I finally got out of there, what, the guys that were working under me, because I was a store manager, I'm like, how did you ever find time to look for other work? Well, you just got to make it. You, you got to make the time. And uh, sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of times, you have to make your own opportunities. You just got to put yourself in the right position to, uh, to act on things. And uh, I know in my life that's come up a lot since I've gotten out uh, and I tell a lot of folks that all the time. It's like, don't wait for the opportunity to come knocking on your door because it's, there's a good chance it's not going to, you got to get out there and, and get yourself, uh, you know, uh, seen, I guess, for lack of a better term, a little bit, you know, in, in these companies and just make your voice heard a little bit and just not wait for that opportunity to come to you. You got to go and get it. I love it. Guys, definitely check out both books. By my brother, I'm going to be picking them up because I got a nine-year-old daughter, so she, and I know she she loves to read, and this is maybe something I can read to her at night. So I think that would be great. So definitely pick up the books, guys. If you're looking to be an author, reach out to to Doug. If anybody actually owns a podcast that's listening to this, owns a magazine, owns newspapers, make sure you reach out to Doug. Have them come on your show. Have them come in your magazine. Because he's dropping nothing but knowledge and it's nothing but heart. So I want to say thank you. I want to thank our sponsors as Chris Celeste, the one that's, oh, that is, uh, that's Mr. Chris Celeste. He actually owns Operation Veteran Freedom. Um, I'm actually going to try to get him. Hopefully I'll add you to the group. Doug, maybe you like to, you know, get involved in the group. Um, it, they're always about helping veterans that are struggling when they get out of the military to find their own voice and find their own story. So definitely check out Operation Veteran Freedom on Facebook. You just, you know, find them there. We got some big, big stuff coming down. I can't talk about it right now, but you guys are going to be 
really, really pleased with what we got going on. So, Doug, I just want to say thank you for coming on today. Thank and you, I appreciate everything you're doing. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, brother. God bless and have an amazing week. You too. Take care. And guys, remember, vertical momentum, the only way to go is but up. Catch you on the flip. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.